The scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 9, and it's printed on page 8 in your bulletins. Verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of a covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. And this is God's word. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to say I'm grateful to stand here and preach the word, as always. Well, it's only been twice, but, you know, I'm grateful. <laughs> it's a great honor, you know. Metro is a home for me and for many of us, and I've grown to know what it means to be a Christian here. And to give back what little I can, uh, it's an honor. Um, so, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastor of interns. And, you know, I just want to give you guys a quick summary of what we've been going through. For those of you who are new or visiting, uh, we've been going through a sermon series on Genesis, and the sermon series is called The Blueprint of Redemption. In Genesis, there are two general lessons that you can learn. One is what is wrong with the world. Sin entered, it distorts everything. The second thing you can learn is how God redeems it. And... It doesn't explicitly say, but there's Jesus in the in Genesis story. And, yeah, you can learn a lot from here. All right, today we're going to learn at the promise of God and how Jesus is fulfilling all of that. Before I move on to our passage, uh, allow me to share my story. When I was young, my mom left kind of abruptly to Korea. And, and I was like, uh, you know, I was like 10, like 11 years old. So I had no idea what was going on. So I asked one of my cousins who was much older, and I was like, okay, where's mom? 
And, you know, she's like, okay, mom, mom's coming back in 10 days. I said, okay, I could wait 10 days. So I counted the days. On the 10th day, I went up to my cousin again, and I was like, hey, where's mom? When's she coming back? And she said, mom's coming back in 10 days. Okay, I could do that too. Another 10 days, I waited, counted the days. And on the 10th day, I asked my cousin yet again, where's my mom? And she looked at me patiently, and she said, mom's coming back in 10 days, I promise. You know, eventually I got tired of waiting and I moved on with my life. And yeah, I actually forgot about all of that. And I'm looking at the passage today and I'm wondering how many of us feel that way towards God. Some of us, we cling on to certain promises, right? We cling on to, hey God, you're a loving God. If I do this, if I come to church, if I do, if, I, if I'm part of a community group, if I'm good, things will be okay. There'll be no more suffering. Some of us cling on to certain promises like if I pray more, God will answer it. Well, if he doesn't, we're exhausted. At this time, I just want to let you guys know, I struggled with this for most of my life. But as I was wrestling with the passage today, it helped me a lot. It comforted me because, you know, oftentimes I feel like God doesn't keep his promise with us. But that's not true at all. In our passage today, he's going to show us how Jesus fulfills that promise from Genesis to Revelations, even till now. I have two um, points, very simple. God's blessing and God's promise. Let's go to God's blessing. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Donnie uh, preached on the flood of Noah's Ark. And in his sermon, he focused on God's, how God is a God of justice and love. Now, if God is a God of love but not a God of justice, uh, his love is not true love. You know, when, when you see someone that you really care about going downhill, when they're arrogant, when they hurt somebody, that's anger. It's because you really love that person, not because you hate them. Now, pain is proportional to how much you love them. And so if you love them greatly, your hurt and anger is great. And so if this is true, one thing you can't do, right, is let it go. Because if you do, you haven't really truly loved that person. At the same time, if God is a God of justice but has no love, he wouldn't be a personal God. You know, he wouldn't be God the Father. So God, who is just and loving, um, sends the flood, but he also represents, um, sends a representative, Noah. Now, going into our passage today, right? After the flood, Noah makes a sacrifice to God in Genesis 8. In Genesis 8.21, God, being pleased with the aroma, says, Never again will I curse the ground because of man. Even though every inclination of his heart is evil from his childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. So after the sacrifice, God blesses Noah and his sons, and he says in our passage today, Be fruitful increase in number, and fill the earth. If you look at that verse, it's very similar to Genesis 1, right? It's striking, like, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. In Genesis 1, 28, 
um, God gives the same blessings to Adam, but before sin. Here is after sin entered the world. So that means the blessing is tainted. God gave his blessing to Adam before sin, but when it entered, it destroyed everything. In our passage, we're going to talk about how it, uh, sin destroys God's blessing in three different ways. First, this passage shows that this sin, uh, the sins of our father, first father, Adam, distorts our relationship with nature. Notice verse 2 says, The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth. It's the same blessing, but now there will be fear and dread. The creatures that God has made will fear us. That's what it's saying. And, you know, before the fall, there was perfect harmony. There was, you know, the animals loved us. We loved them. And there was, we love nature. There was, there's harmony in all creation. But now that the fall happened, there's fear and dread. The ironic thing about this is it says that the animals will have fear and dread over us. But if you really look at the world, it looks like we have fear and dread over them, right? When you look at it, we have, we're scared of animal attacks, even though it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> you know, we're dreading about, like, the weathers, like maybe disasters. Um, there are a lot of things around the world. It's dangerous, right? After the fall, the animals that once, you know, loved us, fears us, but vice versa, in Genesis 1, God said, have dominion over all his creation. But if you have to be honest, it looks like they are having dominion over us. See, that's why there's sickness in the world. Cancer is literally mutation of cells. There's disorder in our body. That's why there's natural disasters. That's why there are animal attacks. See, this is what sin does. Sin enters and distorts everything. It doesn't just affect us biologically. It affects nature. It affects everything. But that's not the only thing that it affects. Secondly, sin affects our personal relationship with people, right? In one of the chapters from a book called From Fear to Freedom by Rosemary Miller, um, it's a great book. She talks about it in one of those chapters that sins of the generations Sins of her parents are patterns that she has inherited as she parented people. You know, Rosemary says that the sins of her parents and the way that they dealt with sin and suffering in their life has become a pattern that she took after. You know, sins doesn't just affect us and nature and everything around us. It affects everyone around us as well, right? It's generational. Some of us, we take on our parents' sin. Have you ever wondered why you struggle with certain things more than the others? Think about how you grew up. Think about what you saw growing up. Did you grow up watching your parents fight? Did you grow up seeing your parents not talk about it? Did you grow up seeing your parents gossip? Look down on people, judge them. It means just as your parents' sin affects you today, the way you are today will affect everyone around you tomorrow. Now, if you're a parent, this should catch your attention because how your children grow up to be in the future relies heavily on you. For they will see how you treat people and how you deal with harsh situations it will imitate after you. I guess the question is, how do you treat people at your, at your, uh, at your workplace? All right? How do you treat your peers? How do you treat people that you think are lower than you? How do you treat people that are in this church? 
because our passage today, God says, cherish people. Verse 5, it says, and for, you, for your lifeblood, I will surely demand any accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. Friends, God cherishes life. You know, in verse 5 says that God cherishes life so much you'll be held accountable for any murder. Now, some of you guys may think, like, I never committed any murder. But in the Bible, it says, even if, even if you hate the person in your mind, curse them, that's murder. 1 John chapter 3, 12 says, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has, entered, you know, has eternal life residing in him. Yet, verse 6, he tells them why he cherishes human life so much. It's because we were made in the image of God. Do you see that? When you guys gossip, right, when you guys judge somebody, when you guys sin against somebody, do you guys see that person as somebody's sons and daughters? Better yet, do you see them as God's sons and daughters? When you hurt people, do you see that person as God's image bearer? You know, God cherishes everyone's life so much um, that it says anyone, even animals, uh, will be held accountable. Um, sin makes us all murderers of soul, and it's so dangerous because it can be passed down from generations to generation. And thirdly, this means sin affects our relationship with God. That's where it starts from. Our relationship with God is tainted, so it taints everything else. Read me verse 7. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth, and increase upon it. I just want to point out something, right? Before we started, I said, Noah made a sacrifice, and God said in uh, Genesis 8.21 that there is no, every inclination of man's heart is evil from childhood. In the ESV, it translates saying, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, which means God knew that you will sin continually. God knew that you will continue to murder people in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, and yet he still blessed us in verse 7. You know, God knew all of these things, and yet he embraced you, and he blessed you. But he doesn't want just to bless you. He wants to redeem you. He wants what's best for you. So he makes a promise. My second point, the promise. Verse 9, it says, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendant after you. First, what is a covenant? Covenant is a legal contract, basically, right? You know, back in the day, when, when people make pinky promises, back in the day, what, they, like, what, what it re- represented was, if you make a pinky promise, you don't keep it. You're basically saying, hey, I'm giving you permission to break my finger. Morbid, I know. So next time you guys make a pinky promise, be careful, all right? Or if you guys are Harry Potter fans like me, you know, the unbreakable vow. If you break that vow, you die. Pretty sure they, she took it from the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, like, usually the covenant is done with two people. It's both, both, way, uh, both ways. Like, if you write a, a legal contract, you don't just say, I'll do this for you. You say, I'll do this for you, you do this for, for me. It's a contract. But if you look at verse um, 11 very carefully, the covenant God makes with Noah is very one way. 
unilateral. Verse 11 says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the water of flood. Never again will there be flood to destroy the earth. He doesn't say, if you do this, I'll never cut you off. He doesn't say, if you keep my commandments, I'll never cut you off. He said, I'll just never cut you off. God's covenant here is unconditional. God simply says, I'll never cut you off by water. I think that's because he said he's going to cut somebody off. Because, as I said before, justice of God must be satisfied. Someone has to pay. If you let somebody borrow your phone, right, and that person breaks your phone, there's two options. You let that person pay for it or you pay for it, which means somebody has to pay for it. In verse um, 12, it says, God said, this is a sign of covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. Verse 13, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of covenant between me and the earth. You know, whenever God makes a sign of covenant with his people, uh, it's always a sign of salvation in the Bible, foreshadowing and alluding to the one to come. And in verse 13, our translation today says rainbow uh, because that's what God is talking about with Noah. He's talking about the rainbow, right? But in the Hebrew, the word is kashet, which means bow. Verse 13 says that God has set his bow on the clouds, and that will be the sign of the covenant, a sign of salvation. And in verse 14, he says, he will bring clouds over the earth. He will remember the promise he made with you. See, it's all one way, it's one unilateral. He's doing all the work. Do you see how God always moved towards you first? Right? God is always showing us his love for us, even though we fail to love him. God is saying that he will bring the clouds and there will be a rainbow. Guys, imagine a shape of a rainbow. What does it look like? One theologian says the bow, which is commonly used to describe warrior bow, is pointed up in the sky, aiming at God. The arrow is pointing at God, and God says this arrow, this bow, is a sign, is a symbol of salvation, the hope for all humanity and his creation. And see, many people think flood was justice, the flood, right? It's, but a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Donnie was talking about how it's only a pattern, because after the flood, there's still pain, there's still suffering, yet in our passage today, God appoints somebody, right? He has a representative. In that passage today, it was Noah, but God is promising ultimately that there will be someone greater than Noah. Verse 16, when the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will see it and remember everlasting covenant forever between God and all his living creatures and every kind on the earth. Centuries later, there will be another sign of covenant, another sign, another sign of salvation. There was a man that came down. This man lived a perfect life, lived a life that we should have lived, died a death that we should have died. His name is Jesus, who took on all our punishment. See, God said that anyone who sheds the blood of man will be held accountable. But Jesus took upon our counting by shedding his own precious blood on the cross. God promised that we'll never be cut off from God because Jesus was cut off from God which is why he cried, my God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? God set his bow pointing up, aiming at his own heart. God got the warrior bow so that we could get the rainbow. Do you guys know how rainbows work? When the sunlight hits the rain, rainbow appears. Any hope in our life, the light, when it hits our suffering, Jesus will be there bridging the gap between us and God and everything else. Jesus, by fulfilling God's promise, redeems all things, all things. Sin distorted everything, but God redeems everything. Jesus, by fulfilling God's promise, restores our relationship with God by giving us access to God. Right? He new, renews us back into his own image. Some of you guys have a hard time loving God, trusting in God. Um, some of you guys are probably wondering, like, have you forgotten me? Did you forsake me? Consider Isaiah 49, 15 with me. God says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? I used to say, yeah, mine did. But God says, though she may forget, I will never forget. Verse 16, she says, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. The holes in my hand and my feet are for you. I will never forsake you. Jesus, by fulfilling God's promise, restores our relationship with everyone else here. Genesis 3.15, after our first father, Adam, sinned, um, God makes a promise of salvation. In Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put an enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus, the offspring of Eve, was crucified at a place called Golgotha, which means the skull. The foot of the cross has stabbed the head of the serpent indeed and redeems the relational problems, relational issues throughout all generation. This means that if you have problems with uh, people in this room or outside relationally, God will redeem that as he has redeemed it throughout Adam. And for those of you who are um, parents and who might be worried about how your sin could affect your children, this should be comforting. See, the wonderful news of the gospel is that God redeems your parent, parents' sin and their parents' sin, and all the way up to Adam. God has redeemed all the generational sins before you all the way back to Adam, which means God will surely redeem your shortcoming that you may have as parents because God, the Father, remembers your hard work and is delighted to guide you as your parent. Jesus, by fulfilling God's promise, restores our relationship with nature, you know, by making another promise. Some of you are physically ill, right? You guys may be sick. Some of you guys may have someone that you really love that are sick. Some of you may have experienced natural disaster or have somebody who has experienced it themselves. And it's tough. But in Revelation 21, Jesus makes another promise where he says, one day heaven will come down. We won't go to heaven. God will make the move. God will come down with heaven and he will restore all things. He said, it says in verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. No more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrow. 
This is the God that we serve. This is the God that cherishes us to death. Verse 17, so God said to Noah, this is a sign of covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Friends, I guess the question is, why should we trust in God's promise, right? And my argument is because God always keeps his promise, even though it doesn't seem like it. You know, a lot of times when you and I make promises, it's, it's empty. A lot of times we don't even keep it, and yet... We don't even feel bad about it. Jesus not only keeps his promise, but pays as if, uh, pays for us. And, you know, he redeems all things in our life. All the sins that broken us, he was broken for us. So we could cling on to him, right? God has promised us something greater, a salvation that's worth worshiping, and his name is Jesus. Will you pray with me?